Hello, hello, and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I am Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're discussing chapters 19 through 24 of The Lost Hero. There's a lot. There's a lot that happens. Um, and I am always so surprised that each chapter is like, mo- like at most like four pages long. Yeah. Yeah, they're really short, but they're really jam-packed. And it feels like this is like the book of side quests. Constantly. They just are meeting all these new, like a new villain per chapter and a new location. And there's a lot of plot lines going on all at once. What? What I'm constantly surprised about is the amount of internal, like, monologuing going on. They Mm. actually don't talk to each other. I think they've at most said, like, six sentences to each other. Yeah. But they have a lot of dreams and a lot of, like, Mm -hmm. telling the reader what's up with their backstory but not telling their friends. Like, that's a big thing. And that's the only reason the chapter is long is because, like, they're going through whatever internally – we and thought Percy Jackson had a lot of dream sequences. This has a like probably every other chapter has a dream sequence so least. far. Well, each character has to have a dream, and each dream has to have a backstory, and then it's yeah. explained. And somehow he manages to do it in like three pages. You know, I am very glad that they're getting their sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is something they usually don't get. Do they get well rested from demigod dreams though? Because I kind of doubt that. Oh, I doubt it. I can't imagine that it's restful at all. Mm-mm. All right. Well, why don't we all jump into it, right? So mm-hmm. a quick summary. The trio gets some information from a wind king. They head to the Windy City and they meet an old favorite monster. All right. So I'll start with J- Jason, chapters 19 and 20. Chapter 19. Jason's a little uncomfortable leaving Leo behind, but there's not a lot of choice in the matter. Jason also is getting really weird vibes from the Ice Princess because, like, apparently everyone wants to jump his bones. I think it's so funny because it's, like, the complete opposite vibe of Percy where Percy meets another female besides um, Calypso. They all are, like, repulsed by him. And, like, the one girl he gets to kind of like him, Rachel Annabeth, is immediately feral, too. So I think that (laughs) Jason is just like, I can't. He's like, I only have two hands. I can't keep fighting off all these women who are into me. And Percy's like, Annabeth, don't ever leave me. I will be alone. Which is hilarious because, like, the fandom collectively all loves Percy so much more than Jane. Like, everyone else is like, no, Percy, we'll take you. Yeah. I think Rick is just really trying to tell us that Jason is hot, and everyone, no one believes it. (laughs) Like, reader, all the readers are like, "Mm, no, this is not true. (laughs) He's literally just, like, two steps removed from being like, Jason looks in the mirror and is like, he could see why people would call him conventionally attractive with his big <laughs> bulging muscles and his perfect hair and his awesome eyes. But to him, he was just a regular kid. We have to wait to see if um, if Percy describes him homoerotically. Yeah, oh. because we, that's when we know he's hot, if he gives him the Luke treatment. <laughs> that is true. That is true. 
Okay, the Ice Princess doesn't like the fact that Piper and Jason are holding hands and basically burns them with frost. She's like, there's no warmth here. No love. Because she's dramatic. And I was like, poor Piper is fighting for her life just to keep her man. She's like, every time she blinks, like, no wonder she doesn't get any rest and is constantly insecure. Like, she turns her back for two seconds and six girls have jumped her boyfriend. Yeah. Or, I guess ex-boyfriend. Um, imaginary fake boyfriend? boyfriend yeah fake dating it's like the reverse of fake dating <laughs> <laughs> so jason has had time to think about talia and it's driving him crazy that he has a sister out there who may or may not know that he exists and he can't even talk to he starts getting angry at all the things Hera has stolen from him which i was like that's really sad He's like, he doesn't know who's waiting for him. He doesn't know who's looking for him. He feels like he doesn't have, he like, she stole his literal life from him. Yeah. He also realizes that he does have strong feelings for Piper. He's grateful for her patience and for, to, for her being there for him. Um, he also wishes the memories of them together had been real, but he's like, I can't dwell on that for too long because he has a thousand other things to worry about, including the fact that maybe he has a full-ass wife, you know, back <laughs> wherever he's from. Yeah. He doesn't know. He's like trying to keep everything as clean as possible until he can piece the puzzle together. The Ice Princess tells Jason she will translate for him and help advocate for him to her father. She's got a real interest in Jason. She like, keeps hinting at that. And Jason keeps like, being like, why is she looking at me like that with those like very hungry eyes? She's he, To like seduce a part like a goddess Ice Princess, like Jason really, like Rick is really trying to tell us that Jason's really hot. He's just, like, <laughs> piping hot, yeah. Yeah. She introduces herself as Kione, daughter of Boreas and goddess of snow. She then leads Jason and Piper to meet her father. That's where we jump into chapter. That was all just one chapter. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all that happened. So chapter 20. The throne room is freezing and his purple tapestries everywhere and the aurora is hanging overhead. And I was like, that's really cool. Like that, I would really like to have like a very on theme. I really respect on theme castles me too yeah, yeah. like yeah, i love a themed party a themed castle a yeah. themed anything <laughs> it's it's organization but then also extravagance to the max mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all around them all around the room are greek soldiers whom at first jason assumes are statue until they start to move there's also mist everywhere that parts to reveal a man on the icy throne dramatic as hell i love it so much He's described as wearing a white suit made out of snow with dark purple wings that spread to either side. All of his facial hair is encrusted with icicles and he's got a cold look, but there's like a glimmer of warmth in his eyes, more so than any of his children. You know the who I picture for this? Is it Jack Frost? It's, I knew you'd guess that. <laughs> it's it actually not. All I can picture is the Ice King from Adventure Time. The, the the dumb one that's yes. evil with the penguins. Yeah. Like, even though Rick has given this character a description, mm -hmm. my brain is like, no, it's the Ice King surrounded by penguins. <laughs> that would make it a lot funnier because right? then you have this dramatic reveal and Jason's shaking because he's really nervous and there's just that idiot penguin <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> 
The king begins to speak in French, which then Piper responds perfectly, surprising everyone, including herself. Apparently, being the daughter of Aphrodite means she's naturally fluent in French, the language of love, which I was like, that's dumb, anyway. <laughs> okay, yeah, language of love. The French say that, that's all. Yeah, the yeah. French say they're French. I don't think French sounds that nice, personally. It does not. Are we coming but, down hard against French on yeah. this <laughs> I'm like, oh, you think you're special? I love I love hearing other languages, but like, you know, I, I'm sure English doesn't sound nice to a French person. I don't think French sounds that romantic. I think it sounds like they're kind of coughing a little bit. I'm like, if we're going to go that direction, I was like, have you ever even read like Arabic poetry? Like, how is French the language mm. of love? Like, calm down. <laughs> like, oh, that's very much colonizer energy, erasure. True. Okay. <laughs> That's just me being angry. Anyway, Ice Princess is now useless because Piper is able to translate and obviously she's going to do a better job than whatever the Ice Princess might like skim here and there. The king speaks French because he speaks the language of his host country, something that apparently all gods do. The king then immediately dampens the mood, saying that he has orders to kill them. Orders that came from Lord Aeolus. However, the king has a super soft spot for the children of Aphrodite, not explained why, but it's there. And since Jason is the son of Zeus, he has to hear him out first before deciding to kill him. Aeolus is the master of the winds, and he just hates all demigods. They make his life and job super difficult, especially after the Typhon attack last year. Aeolus had to go track down every single gust of wind and storm he released as he was being imprisoned again, and the gods didn't even thank him. And since he can't harm the gods, they're his bosses, he decides to take a healthy approach and let it go. Go to the gym, talk to the therapist. Just kidding. He decides he wants to kill all their children. Nice. So King Boreas is instructed to hear them out and encouraged to destroy them, but he's allowed to pass his own judgment. He has a bunch of frozen soldiers who he kind of alludes and hints that may have been demigods that he's trapped over the years, but he's also not sure. And he's like, if they were to melt, that would be bad. And that's just like random thing he says. I was like, okay, something gonna happen? Maybe? I don't even remember, so I can't even guess. <laughs> Jason explains that he's on a quest by the queen of gods herself, a son of Zeus favored by Hera, which is like groundbreaking. Boreas is very interested in this. Jason loses his nerve right up about there though and he's unable to tell his life story luckily piper picks it up and tells everyone his story instead boreas knows of the storm spirits that they are looking for and the prison they are hold prisoner they are holding which is coach hedge boreas knows that a lot of terrible monsters and gods are stirring even his own children are keeping things from him piper pleads their case looking confident as hot as fuck <laughs> Jason's like, wow, she's so beautiful, especially now that her like blessing has worn off and she can look like normal, scruffy Piper. And I was like, oh god, shut up. <laughs> when Jason shows him his cool tats, <laughs> why did I write it that way? I'm so sorry. I left Check out my tats. He's <laughs> cool. He's sick tats. Boreas, bro. <laughs> Boreas suddenly laughs and turns into a different god. He just like changes form. <laughs> it's like the activation. Jason identif- identifies him as Aquilion, which sounds like a Pokemon. It does sound like a Pokemon. Doesn't it? Like an aquatic Pokemon. It would be a water type Pokemon. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. 
Jason knows that this is Boreas's Roman form. He doesn't know how he knows it, doesn't know why he knows it, he just knows it. Aquileon seems to understand everything and thinks Hera has taken a huge gamble and he monologues about how he never got gets attention, but this is a great opportunity for him to be the star. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> just like changed into a different god and just like just keeps talking. I was like, okay. This god has an agenda. He wants to be the star. <laughs> Get his big break. Yeah. He tells them to go to Chicago to find the storm spirits that attacked them, and if they succeed, they should bring those traitorous wind spirits to Alias and tell them that Boreas is the one who did everything. Jason hopes that the person controlling the winds is the person who imprisoned Hera, but he is told that that's not how it works. This is a level boss. He's not quite at the final boss yet. That's later. <laughs> he then asks his reluctant children to escort them out of his kingdom. They take Jason and Piper back to Leo, who's absolutely in love with the Ice Princess. Jason's like noticing Leo's like cleaned the dragon and like brushed his hair and gotten <laughs> prepared. And Jason's like, I'll have to tell Leo that like she's not, she's like mean and she's not a good person. And I was like, that's jokes on you, Jason. That's exactly why Leo wants her. Leo's like, please be mean to me. <laughs> Jason tells the Ice Princess to essentially get lost, which will obviously bite him in the ass later. Leo's crushed that his potential prom date turned into a blizzard and left and <laughs> asks for all an explanation. The Windy Brothers warn Piper that there might be something more dangerous than storm winds, but they decide not to elaborate because no one is actually fully helpful. They're only 50 Never. to 75% helpful, if at mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But they are surprisingly friendly, especially compared to their sister, as they send them on their way to Chicago. Despite, like, wanting to eat them earlier. Or they, like, suddenly them. become nicer because they have, there's a little bit of an argument that Boreas is like, these guys are actually demigods. Like, they're... Um, moms were mortal whereas ice princess is a full goddess and that's why she's a bitch <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens you get two godly parents it's just <laughs> genetics you know it's yeah. <laughs> how genetics works <laughs> um my notes for this was basically it's absolutely hilarious that jason and the other kids like they know ancient greek and latin which is like absolutely useless in the real world but piper knows french so yeah. at least she can like talk to people living in the current society yeah There's a certain amount of people but you know most like a chunk of canada and a lot of people in you know france no way they speak <laughs> french in france sometimes wow mind-blowing <laughs> i was also kind of annoyed i watched have you seen the disney short called far from the tree that came out like a couple days ago it's about no. a raccoon it's basically about curing generational trauma. And I oh, was really I like thinking, that. It was really good. I might have shed a tear or two. Um, <laughs> but I was really thinking about that because I was like, why is every story, not just in Greek mythology, not just in Percy Jackson, like every story, even in Bond movies and other movies, it's like your parent fucked us over. Therefore, you must suffer. Like, sir, mm. if my parent is the kind of person that screws over people like you, clearly they're not good people. And I've already suffered enough. Like, why do you also have to hurt me? Like, yeah, <laughs> idiots. Like, this is how <laughs> the world just dies. <laughs> Got really mad. I would be no, that's, really... that's so true. I hate that children have to, like, pay the debts of their parents always. Always. And in real life. Yeah. You know, love that. 
I was like, as I was like angrily typing that, I was like, I would be the worst character in all of these movies because I just feel like, well, this is stupid. <laughs> Your motives are dumb, and you should feel bad about it. I would die so quickly. Yeah, they just like smite you and flick you off a building yeah they're like this bitch talks so much (laughs) nothing she says is actually useful but talking in in villain like superhero movies talking is what gets you out of it like the villains talk for too long and that's what screws them over but the heroes will talk for too long and then like they're like jokes on you (laughs) (laughs) but they also have to have talent see i only have the talking (laughs) i have no ability to get myself out of the situation Maybe you make friends with the villains. <laughs> I've actually like talked myself into the villain's cause. And now I'm yeah. evil. Yeah. <laughs> also, I was like, imagine someone like showing someone your super sick tats and they literally change form. I was like, I'm trying to get attention for my tattoos and you just take all the attention away by turning yeah. into a different person. <laughs> Also, I really appreciate that you wrote six sick tats again. Thank you. I don't know why I kept doing that. Like sick tats, sick tats, super sick cool tats. tats. Jason, <laughs> Jason's the guy with the cool tats, and he's, he's super a... hot. Everyone likes him, <laughs> but he's misunderstood. <laughs> but then everyone in the fandom is just like, "No, we hate him. <laughs> he hate Shut so up, boring. Rick. He's I not know. hot." <laughs> I mean, I wonder if that's, like, really Greek mythology, Greek and Roman heroes definitely just, like, wander from island to island just being, like, so hot that all these princesses yeah. do whatever they want and they just, like, face zero consequences for their actions. This is just, like, that. We just don't like it because it's boring. It's, like, every white male <laughs> fantasy. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. Jason, you need to break out of it. I know. Buddy. Pal. Bro. Pal. <laughs> Ooh, another thing in these chapters that really bothers me is that this bothers me throughout this whole series, and it's not a good it's not a good look, is the use of the word schizophrenic to describe the god's switching form because it's like an actual mental illness that is being used to describe a behavior. I'm not into that. Anytime I think any listeners, if you use a word that is actually an illness to describe a behavior, Maybe don't. There are other ways to describe behaviors. Like, just say, the god switched. (laughs) Also, it's not the correct illness either. Yeah. That's not... I don't know. Like, It's a little weird. Even the word itself has nothing to do with, like, switching. No. Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, I think, like, colloquially, especially these are written in, like, 2010, it's kind of used to describe, like, freaking out, which isn't a good thing to make synonymous. Like, people live with schizophrenia, and it doesn't mean they're, like, freaked out and crazy. Like, it's a mental illness, and we should just use words to describe the behaviors that are the behaviors and are not a mental illness, you know? Yeah, just, like, we have the technology to look up more words we can learn more words Mm-hmm. and this is like something like he uses this word throughout the whole series and i remember like every time when i read it the first time i was just like oh like that's not <sighs> can't we find another word rick sir please yeah
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, moving on into Piper chapters, chapters 21 through 22. So they fly away from Quebec towards Chicago, and Piper is just, like, totally racked with guilt about the secret of her dad being trapped and the impending betrayal of her friends. And she's also apparently the only one who bothers to think critically about what all this, like, Greek-Roman stuff means. She wonders what exactly and who Jason is. She's thinking about how she saw Boreas switch forms and everything and what that could mean, you know, because nobody else seems to think much about this. And she wonders, like, could Jason be an enemy? Could he have had a lot more going on in his old life that he can't remember? You know, like a secret wife. We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And so she's super overwhelmed, and she glances up at the sun and the stars and recalls a memory. Like, the last time I think she just spent some time looking up at the sun and stars while she was staying at her Grandpa Tom's old cabin with her dad in Oklahoma. And they were lying outside and looking at the stars. And her and her dad talked about constellations and myths. And she asks him why he never took Cherokee parts in movies. And he replied with, Too close to home, Piper. Easier to pretend I'm something I'm not. And yet still, he never did sell his grandpa's old place, and Piper recognizes that some part of his home and heritage is important to him. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I didn't Uh. even really put this in my notes because I was like, I just... This feels so... I hate I hate the word problematic. I feel like everyone uses the word problematic to describe things, but it's become an annoying word to me. Yeah. But it feels really it's it's problematic. <laughs> it does. I mean, like it's like a it would hit very differently if it was written by a native author and that was like they were telling their story and their truth. But it's a white man writing this and kind of projecting what he thinks a community of people feels and it like inadvertently places shame on being native. Like, it's, it's like the dad is communicating that he feels shame for it, and it communicates to Piper, and then it can communicate to readers, too, especially, like, young kids. And it would be very different if Rick was a Native person writing the story and telling, like, his truth or telling a particular truth of his experience, but it's not. It's super frustrating, because I didn't talk about it. I, like, genuinely, deliberately ignored a lot of the really problematic stuff in the last chapter of hers that I did we've already addressed it and it's clearly not going to get better because he didn't learn from his mistakes he obviously just wrote it at the time and just like mass wrote all of this Mm -hmm. and one of the big things was the fact that she was like constantly everything about her was related to how she's like can't just look at herself in the mirror and says I look like a girl she says I look like a Cherokee girl it's like oh when she got dolled up and got Aphrodite's blessing she wasn't like all dolled up like a Barbie she was all dolled up like a Cherokee Barbie mm-hmm. it's like very specific and I like I get it as a brown woman there's a lot of things that like 
I know other people put on to me and it was like a lot of like, you know, other white friends were like, oh, you're my Indian best friend. You're my mm-hmm. like, um, oh, like, the, you know, stuff like that. Like it was very mm-hmm. like race was very important, but I never identified it with myself because like it's very difficult. I don't know. I just like it's not my experience and like internal monologue. It's like what other especially white people put on to me. And so it's very evident that he's putting that onto this character and it makes me want to murder him every mm-hmm. single time. But I just like we can't keep talking about it and we can. But it kind of gets boring to even talk about it because it's not going to get better. It's just going to keep getting problematic, more problematic. Yeah. yeah. I keep using the word problematic. Uh, I mean, it fits here. Like, this is genuinely problematic. Yeah. It fits. Yeah. I think that's... It's very much like projecting his own othering of people of color onto Mm -hmm. Piper, assuming she also others herself, which could very well be many people's story. But yeah. It's very obvious that this is written by someone who doesn't have that identity, who is a white man and who is trying really hard to tell us that Piper is Cherokee and that she's ashamed of it. Yeah. And that sucks for like young readers too, who like, and not just young native readers, like other readers too will like, are going to read this and like inadvertently be like, oh, so this is something this character is ashamed of. Why is this something, like, is this something... I should be ashamed of or someone else should be ashamed of and that's not a great message for young readers I know Mm -hmm. he was trying to be diverse but I think it's always like okay like we give him points for trying but we also have the ability to critique and say what he could have done better yes and a lot of people I know like a lot of angry white people on the internet will be like oh well like can white people just not write any people of color anymore like and and people (laughs) and people like a lot of like, non-LGBTQ people will be like, oh, so, like, straight people can only write straight people stories now? And it's like, that's not what that argument is saying. It's saying that you can't try to write, like, with the race, with the topic of race, like, a white person shouldn't try to write, like, a story. Like, like with what Piper, with what they're, do- what they're doing with Piper's character, they're trying to tell a story about how she feels about her race that is like not something Rick's ever experienced. Like it's exactly. saying like white people can write diverse characters, like have di- diverse characters in their story, but th- it's not in good taste to write that ca- about that character's relationship with race it's when also, you've never experienced it. It's also like you as a writer, you want to write well. And something that is yeah. very evident is that you will not be able to write well from experiences that you can't understand. No matter how yeah. empathetic you are to the situation, no matter how open your eyes are to the situation, you can never have lived that life, so you can never fully understand. And it will show. It will always show. Yeah. Even men who write women, like, there's always a little <laughs> bit that I'm like, even if it's really well written, there will be little gaps. And I'm like, oh, I see it. I see it. Yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah, and so, I know people get frustrated when they're like, oh, like... I can't write books about this character I made up. And it's like, that's not what's being said. But Mm-mm. like, you know, and, and if you do really value diverse stories and you're a white writer or you're like a dominant identity and you want to write about a marginalized identity, um, maybe instead just promote authors that have that identity, like promote authors of color or LGBTQ authors and like, work to put diversity in your stories in ways of like having 
characters, like other characters beside your main character, you're not telling the story of their marginalized identity that you don't share. Exactly. And like, I think a lot of people were like, well, I had my friend of color read this for me. And like, I'm like, don't do that to them. (laughs) Why are you making them put in the work for you? That's not the point. You missed the point. They also could very well just say it was good because they don't want to deal with it, you know? (laughs) Also, like, every person of color has a different experience. Mm -hmm. So, like, you can't be like, this is my token person of color's experience and they've said that it's okay and therefore it is okay. Mm -hmm. You should not get all of your sources and information from one person, regardless of their own background. Yeah. And, like, if they want to write their story about their individual experience, that's such a different thing than you writing, like, someone else writing their story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, our little tangent. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It just, this part, I really don't like this part, because it's, like, not to say that might not be someone's experience, you know, like, how her dad doesn't want to, wants to distance himself from being Cherokee, and, like, maybe that's someone's experience, but, like, with a white author projecting that it just sends a different kind of message than someone telling their own story Whew! so we've named that and we will continue to move forward from it hopefully yeah hopefully (laughs) (laughs) so piper blinks and she kind of shakes herself out of this memory and also side note this memory is not it's not relevant to the plot at all (laughs) i think that's also what's annoying is that he's it's Rick trying to have a conversation about race and not doing a great job of it. Like, it's not relevant at all to the plot. It doesn't tell us really anything about her dad. Except that he's ashamed of <laughs> Except his Except that he's heritage. ashamed. Yeah, yeah, like, it really brings nothing to the story. So that's another side note. Like, a part of me was like, I just don't want to type this into the summary because it's, I like, know. not relevant to the story. But it is important. And so Piper snaps out of the memory and realizes that she was half asleep and already, like, kind of dreaming. So she decides to actually go to sleep and dozes off. And she has a dream, Mm because we have to have a demigod dream. She is back in that classic demigod vision of herself on the mountaintop where her dad was being held captive. But he's not here anymore. She asks the giant named Enceladus where he is, and the giant just laughs and says that while her dad's body is safe enough, his mind is suffering... He tells Same. her to hurry. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Are we all, man? What if, imagine us in Piper's position. Oh, we're God. just like, oh, mood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he immediately kills us then and there. Yeah. We'd be like, oh, are we all, man? <laughs> he tells her she needs to hurry, but she's like, I don't want to betray my friends. And like, you want me to? And sh- he reveals to Piper where he is. Because he's clearly trying to get her to come to him. Um, She recognizes a familiar landmark rising from a sea of fog in a patchwork of cities. And doesn't specify where it is. And my first thought is San Francisco. And I think that might be it. I don't actually know. Because of the fog? Yeah, anytime there's fog, it's like, oh, San Francisco. Even though (laughs) fog definitely exists in other places. Imagine if she was stupid and he shows her the landmark. And she's like, I don't know where this is. (laughs) That would be same. (laughs) <laughs> she's like, I she's think, like, is that Dubai? Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> what if it was like in a, another country? He was like, <laughs> to come all the way here, be like, um, no. <laughs> We're saving that for the next few books. <laughs> Going to world travel. I know. Um, 
So he tells Piper that she must lead her friends there instead of where Hera is, and then she can collect her father and go in peace, and Hera can just simply die. <laughs> and Piper declares that she'll find a way to defeat him and help her friends, all before their three-day deadline, and he tells her that he will squash her rebellious spirit, and then she wakes up free-falling through the air. And also, I honestly, I don't really get why she chooses, like, why she's like, I'm going to help Hera and help my dad. Like, why help Hera? Hera's done nothing for her. I know. I get she wants to help her friends. Yeah. To say, like, fuck you to Enchilada Man. Enchilada Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised Grover didn't try to eat him, you know? Enchiladas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, chapter 22. <laughs> So it turns out the problems that Festus had were something that Leo maybe shouldn't have kept to himself and uh, tried to forget about because the three of them are now falling through the air and definitely would have died if Jason hadn't been able to fly, which is a very convenient superpower. Mm. Festus falls to the ground with a large explosion because Jason may be able to fly, but he can't carry two people and a metal dragon. And Leo is distraught. He's like, man, why didn't you save my dragon? (laughs) Which I'm like, this is valid. The dragon is his adopted child now. The three of them drop onto a roof of a warehouse and crash through into darkness. Unfortunately, Piper's ankle gets really messed up from the fall. Leo pulls out a wad of gauze and duct tape from his magical Hephaestus belt, which I feel like we didn't really talk about much, but he has no. a magic Hephaestus belt. <laughs> he found it in that bunker or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and they give Piper some ambrosia, uh, but she's still in a lot of pain. And Leo's like, I have no clue what happened to Festus. And Piper thinks about her dream and Enceladus's threat to destroy her rebellious spirit and wonders if he was responsible for them crashing. They look at their surroundings. It's an old abandoned car plant called Monocle Motors somewhere in Detroit, which I don't know how they know they're in Detroit. I think Leo's just guessing based on where they were flying. Or he's like, um, a car plant. It has to be Detroit. (laughs) Detroit. I guess so. Which is about uh, three-fourths the way from Quebec to Chicago, according to the book. I did not consult a map for this. Cannot confirm. Leo offers to go look for Festus because there's no way the three of them could all walk to Chicago while Jason stays with Piper and Rick attempts to have, like, a nice hurt comfort scene, but, like, we don't really care about it like it's kind of an awkward moment Mm. and she piper decides to ask about the picture of talia that she saw and feels a lot better learning that it's his sister and not some forgotten wife of his past (laughs) find out jason's actually 45 with children (laughs) dang he looks young (laughs) no wonder everyone thinks he's hot Jason opens up to Piper about his sister and like this feeling that he needs to find her even though he can't, he doesn't know why. And Piper starts to tell him about her dad and how he's been captured, but then they're interrupted by a noise, uh, metal clanging against metal. Jason goes to check what's going on, and after Jason leaves, Piper looks at the logo for Monocle Motors and thinks that it looks like something in Greek mythology with but can't remember what it is. And then she hears another boom. She calls for Jason, and his voice calls back to her and says, yeah, on my way up but something feels off and what greek monster do we know can steal voices piper is then met with the lovely sight of a cyclops using jason's voice saying you're just in time for dinner Mm -hmm. and i think i've touched on most of my notes my one that i haven't is like the fact that they're really at a disadvantage here having nobody who knows anything about greek mythology 
Like, it makes this book really frustrating. Yeah. Because at least with Percy, Annabeth, and Grover, like, in the first book, like, Annabeth and Grover both knew things. They didn't recognize it half the time. Yeah. But they were able to explain things. In this, they just are kind of going with the flow. And they know nothing. (laughs) It's also really annoying because, like, all they get is, like, Jason spouting random Roman knowledge at inconvenient times. And he can't further elaborate so it's kind of useless yeah and he only seems to recognize it like once they're confronted with it you know yeah it's Which a is too honestly late. how annabeth and grover yeah. do after they're confronted with the monster like it's but at least they always knew how to defeat the monster because they would remember the myth Eventually, yeah. annabeth would always remember the myth yeah yeah and then percy would accidentally do mm-hmm. the same thing as in the myth without yeah. thinking of it yeah. <laughs> like a weird yeah. version of it yeah <laughs> But yeah, that is the Piper chapter. Somehow, like, the Leo and the Jason chapters are really chaotic and hectic, and Piper's is just her having a dream and some problematic stuff about her dad and then breaking her ankle. So it turned kind of somehow it was really a it was really kind of a boring couple chapters compared to the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of the other ones, they're about to get really chaotic. Mm-hmm. Leo's chapters twenty-three and twenty-four. So Festus has crashed into a line of porta potties, which is absolutely horrendous. Leo picks his way towards his poor dragon and is a little irritated to find that the dragon is actually perfectly fine. At least on the outside, there should have been no reason that Festus crashed. When he opens the control panel of the dragon, he finds that the wiring has frozen over. It doesn't make any sense that a dragon's head should be too hot for any like permafrost to have been able to collect. And something has caused a flash freeze that he doesn't know what it is. He can replace the wires, but the control disc is basically gone. He also knows he's way over his head trying to fix this magical disc, but he has to try. He talks to his tool belt. This is where we get the explanation of a little bit what the tool belt is. Yeah. Um, He found it in his little weird cave thing, and it gives him the exact tools that he wants. He basically is like, screwdriver, and a screwdriver will pop up. And it can kind of conjure up anything that you would normally find in a workshop, but it can't make really cool weapons. Like, apparently he's tried to get a sword or something similar to Jason's because he thought that was cool, Mm -hmm. but it won't do that. It will only give him what he would normally find in a workshop, which is exactly what he really needs. He works automatically while thinking. Leo's already fragile ego is bruised by the fact that he was kept waiting outside like a dog while Jason and Piper went to the castle. Obviously, they wouldn't let him in because of his fire powers, but already hating that part of himself is amplified when someone else outwardly hates it too. Which is then I had like, I was like, this is such an issue for me because Rick does a really good job of explaining why Leo's hidden his fire power and his trauma around it and like how he's ashamed of it. But, like, that he does well, but then Piper's shame is about her native heritage. Like, Mm -hmm. are you kidding me? Like, it could have been about, like, that her... It could have just been focused on the fact that her dad's a superstar. And that's something that she really doesn't like about herself. Or, like, that she's bullied or something like that for being, like, you know, someone who steals things. But (laughs) instead, it's about her native heritage. And that just, like, really frustrates me. You don't Mm -hmm. have to continue, I know, Mm -hmm. beating the dead horse. But Rick Mm -hmm. killed it first, so... You know. He sure did. Mm. Um, there hasn't been a demigod with firepower since 1666, and that guy burnt London down. So obviously, it's a very <laughs> hated quality. 
Leo is used to being shut out by foster homes, his family, his peers. He even felt like a third wheel during uh, Jason and Piper becoming a couple. They were his only two friends at the wilderness school and they obviously, when they're dating, want to spend time with only each other. So when it turned out it was actually all fake, he was secretly a little excited to be able to start over with them. But now they kind of seem to be heading back to being a couple and Leo was feeling left out again. Leo brushes his bad feelings off. He's like, you know, throwing himself a little bit of a pity party, but he also recognizes that he, you know, his problems aren't actually that big and the things that he's like fixating on aren't great things to fixate on. Like he has some of the other things that he should be uh, focusing on, like fixing the dragon. But instead a sleep, giant sleeping snow woman, like a face in the snow, speaks to him. She tells Leo that the team actually needs him desperately. Without him, they would be nothing. In fact, he's the most important member of the group. He recognizes this woman to be the evil Tia that he killed his mom, but she's like, well, I have the right because I'm actually the first mother, your first mother. And she says, she's like, I was like, what kind of logic is that? <laughs> she says, let my son Porphyrion rise and become king, stand aside, and she will give him luxury and ease his burdens and let him walk lightly on the earth, which he doesn't, no one picks up these cues of the things that she's saying on who she mm-hmm. could be. Um, Leo responds by throwing porta potty seed <laughs> at her face and it, and the face disappear into the dirt. Fueled by anger, Leo goes towards the warhouse behind his dragon. And that's when we start chapter 24. This is a bit of a longer one. A lot of action, a lot of chaos, to be honest. Yeah. Leo is aware that the woman was trying to trigger his hidden fears and anxieties, but obviously that doesn't stop it from coming up. He wants to call out to his friends inside the factory, but he can smell something's off. Something like a monster is in the factory, which I thought was interesting he could smell that. Like yeah. a satyr. Yeah. Hmm. Is he part satyr? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually what it is. You figured it out. <laughs> he hears Piper's voice call out for help, but he knows that there's no way that Piper would have been able to get off the catwalk with a broken ankle. He peeks behind at all the engines and forklifts and sees a huge humanoid shape. It calls out again in Piper's voice before switching to its regular voice. It thinks Leo isn't there and that maybe Piper was lying about there being a third demigod. A second similar monster wonders if Leo ran away and decides they should better get back to cooking. He sees Jason and Piper dangling upside down from the crane arms. Piper is gagged and trying to free herself and Jason is limp and looking pretty rough. Leo realizes that the monsters only have one eye and recognizes them as a cyclops. I thought it was like really interesting that Leo had his critical thinking hat on for this entire chapter. I was like not expecting that from him. Like Piper had it on when she was thinking about the Romans and then she clearly transferred it to Leo because he immediately even looks at the monocle motor's name and is like, oh, Cyclops, I should have known. Yeah, why would he have known that? He just learned he was a demigod like a few days ago. I know. <laughs> like what was he studying Greek mythology? Yeah, like us. Like, we would yeah. be great in this situation. Yeah. We would. I know. I mean, we wouldn't, but we would, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, like a few minutes ago we just said we wouldn't, but like we <laughs> but would. We would. <laughs> We'd recognize the monsters, probably yeah. get excited about them. I know. <laughs> Start rambling stories like be like, "Hey, I read how you died last time, you idiot." Yeah. Yeah. They've lit an enormous fire, and they're ready to cook his friends. Leo is terrified. If he had Festus working, that would have been a good advantage, but he only has himself. 
but he realizes that the sleeping snow lady had wanted him to walk away and let his friends been eaten. Nothing's more motivating than saying fuck you to the lady who killed your mom. True. Piper is ungagged, but instead of screaming, she charm-speaks the two Cyclops, who fight to try to free her. But her plan fails when a third lady Cyclops, who is apparently, like, it's a, important that she's a lady, so she's able to, like, withstand Piper's charm-speak. I don't know how charm-speak is supposed to work. Is it, like, know. gender? Is it, like, sexuality-based because Aphrodite? Or is it just, like, you're a charming person, I can charm anybody? I feel like it should be anybody, but I think they're trying to say that it's sexuality based. So I guess yeah. this, you know, this is a straight lady cyclops. Yeah, yeah. Shows it's got to work on the sapphics. <laughs> <laughs> Shows up and can see right through P- Piper's charm. Speak. Leo is rewiring a remote control to one of the engine and has to work fast before the lady cyclops crushes Piper. We also learn that the lady cyclops is the two other cyclops' mom. Interesting. <laughs> Her name is so Ma. Weird. I know. Her name is Ma Gasket, and never tells me at what point she introduces herself at Ma Gasket. But then he starts <laughs> calling her as Ma Gasket, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Unless we have like the in the illegal version, it just—I mean, <clears throat> the borrowed the online. Yeah, you version. have the very legal version. Yeah, it just like <laughs> names her Ma Gasket. <laughs> She's also a real shit mom. She's yelling at her sons for being incompetent and hitting them. Leo now has wired a second machine and is moving towards the third. It's very important that we don't know his plan, but we know that he has a plan and he's working on it. So it makes it very chaotic to try to follow along. Mm -hmm. Piper tries to trick Ma Gasket again by saying she might not taste good, but apparently a demigod who spoke Latin and wore a purple shirt, catching both Piper and Leo's attention of like, huh. Maybe a friend of Jason's? <laughs> had tried that trick and ended up tasting great, so it doesn't work. Piper continues to try flattery and trickery, and it keeps almost working, but then at the last minute falling flat. Leo uses his remote, and it sparks, giving away his location. The Cyclops responds by throwing the truck at him, and he dodges and runs. The machines he's wired are now coming to life. A robotic arm hits one Cyclops in the face and then picks him up and throws him so hard he disintegrates. The other one is also hit and it disappears as well. Now all he's left with is a very angry mama Cyclops. She manages to rip the arm off of the robotic cranes he's wired and swing it around like a baseball bat. Leo baits her into using fire and Piper screams as Ma Gasket lights Leo on fire. Of course, he walks out of it completely unharmed and throws fire back. Magasket thinks he's missed, but instead he's burnt the chain of the engine so that it falls onto Magasket and crushes her into dust. He frees Piper and then they free Jason, who's still unconscious with a large (laughs) bump on his head. He thinks Piper will think he's a freak for using fire, but instead she thinks it's super awesome and super cool like all, all of us would. Right? Yeah. Before they have a chance to discuss it, though, the dust of the Cyclops starts swirling. Piper said they have, she said that doesn't make any sense. Annabeth said that when monsters die, they should go to Tartarus and have to wait to reform for a long time. But that's clearly not what's happening. They realize that maybe monsters are no longer having to stay in Tartarus and souls are no longer confined to the underworld. I mean, that's what Boreas was talking about when he was saying that things were stirring and things were not as they should be. Leo decides that he does not want to wait and see how long it will take for the monsters to reform, and they have to get out of their ASAP. Um, my only note, I think I was just really angry the entire time I was writing all these. Yeah, you good? 
I said I forever will be angry that instead of being like Leo, I really loved the way that Rick dissected Leo's feelings in this chapter, these two chapters. He did a really good job of like highlighting like the trauma, where it comes from, why he's like so insecure. But then I'm really forever mad that instead of like fixing it by like making Leo feel really loved and like valuable amongst his friends, Rick's like, we'll fix it by giving him a girlfriend. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, that's not, that's such a wasted opportunity. Like, I feel like the character, all of the character development would have been so much stronger if they had just focused on friendships and like maybe some more natural romances if they happened. I mean, that's why like the romance isn't as good as in, I mean, okay, that's maybe a lie because there's definitely some great romance bits, but it's Persebeth in the series, you know, like that's because people are invested in that because there's been more of a buildup and the others feel kind of forced because it yeah. feels like Rick was just like, oh, they're teens now. Teens all date. <laughs> well, it definitely feels like an, like, an, like they're on The Bachelor. Like, they have to pair <laughs> off or else they'll die. Like, it's really dramatic. Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> the Argo 2 version. <laughs> Leo Not is bachelor. eliminated from the rose ceremony immediately. <laughs> ba- you've heard of Bachelor in Paradise. Get ready for Bachelor in Tartarus. <laughs> One of the cute date ideas is going into the water of death and Mm. (laughs) losing all of your memories. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm excited to read that one again because I remember devouring it and then I haven't read it in so many years. So I don't remember a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have a couple of lightning bolt round questions. And despite there being a lot of chaos, I had a lot of trouble coming up with questions for these chapters. So okay. bear with me. Um, the first one. So Kione is the ice princess. What element would you want to be the princess of? Ooh, uh, ghosts. Ooh. <laughs> is that an, that's not an Ooh. element, is it? <laughs> I like that, though. I mean, it's not. Well, I don't know. What are ghosts? They could be an element. They're not like a corporeal being. The five elements are water, <laughs> fire, and ghosts. And ghosts. <laughs> We've created a new element here. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if I'd want to hang out with ghosts. I feel like they'd be really bitter about being dead and then also having to be ghosts. So maybe fire. I think that would be kind of cool. I Everyone's fire like fire cool. is like chaotic and like evil and I just like I love watching and staring at fire. I could do it. If I wasn't a coward, I think I'd be an arsonist. So maybe fire. <laughs> Excuse me, what? I'm not repeating myself <laughs> for legal reasons. <laughs> Yet it's recorded forever. <laughs> okay, so if any mysterious fires begin, it's Manasa. <laughs> finally you became. I think we should applaud myself for finally becoming brave. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah you've you've heard you of Count be... Olaf. Now get ready for Count Manasa. <laughs> I get a title too. That's incredible. You're welcome. Thank you. You're a count now of fire. <laughs> um, the element. What would I choose? I mean, I did take an avatar, which avatar element do you bend? And I got fire, but I th- I would like mm. to be, because I watched this show as a kid. Is it Avatar? No, it's not. I watched Avatar as an adult. <laughs> no, um, it was called true. like W-I-T-C-H. It was about these like five witches. It was on like, oh, Disney XD. <laughs> I, it's it kind s- of obscure. Did you spell it out or is it because it's yeah. like- no, it was spelled out, because oh, each okay, of the okay. witches, like, their name started with an initial of witch. 
it was convenient. Dumb. But one, they all, <laughs> each of them had like a different element, except one of them was just like telekinesis or something. She was like the leader <laughs> girl. She annoyed me. But I really liked the the Earth girl. And so <laughs> I always wanted to be her. <laughs> Probably because she's, like, the pretty one, too. Yeah, there we go. But she, like, makes plants and stuff move and, like, attacks people with vines. I always thought that would be cool. Oh, like, plants? Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. I'm not into the earth bending in Avatar because it's, like, rocks. Yeah, I mean, rocks are kind of cool, too. Is this an animated show? Yeah. Oh, Okay. It was an animated show that was on Disney XD back in the day. I again, it was one of those shows that I don't know many people who watched. No, it could have just existed this. in a universe with me and my sister, just like Toad Patrol. Shout out to that <laughs> show. <laughs> okay, my other question: What would your so if you are a god, what would your Greek and Roman forms be like? Um, like what, what is- parts of yourself would be in the Roman version, and what parts oh. would be in the Greek? The Greek version, I think, would be a lot more laid back and chaotic mm. at the same time. So it'd be really fun. Um, whereas the Roman version, is like, I'm a very ambitious person. I can be a bit cutthroat sometimes. I think that's the Roman side. Mm. Your Slytherin side. My Slytherin side. Like, I have both. I think that's the, the whole thing. Like, if we're going to do Harry Potter. <laughs> um, like, I, I feel like I'm both Gryffindor and Slytherin. And I think that like my yeah yeah my loyalty more like bubbliness outgoingness would be greek and roman would be the 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 version that is very ambitious and a bit of an asshole yeah yeah Yeah. nice nice how you build an empire bitch you know (laughs) the roman well rome always falls am i right Mm -hmm. so i only fell once but yeah (laughs) that's all it needed (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, you may have thought of Harry Potter houses. I thought of astrology. <laughs> As Greek is like my sun sign, it's my Virgo sun. Well, the problem is both my sun and my moon are both earth signs, so either way, I'm annoying. Um, <laughs> but my Greek version, I think, is going to be like the kind of obsessive, quirky, um, strange, stays up really late reading fan fiction. It's mm. just like kind of your weird, the weird, the weird Greek god that hangs around. And my Roman side, you know, is my Capricorn moon, like much more, <laughs> much more like discerning and judgmental and more serious. And uh, yeah, our there it Greek is. side is the ones that would m- make us more interesting in school, and our Roman side is the only reason we pass school. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like our Greek side is like the fun party side. Fanfics in the middle of the night doesn't sound like a party. That's know. my kind of party. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I literally could not think of another question, so I came up with the stupidest question I've come up with, which mm. is how would you taste to a cyclops? And not like like to a cyclops, because we all know we'd all kind of taste like chicken because we're, we're just meat. We're all humans. But like you know, I think Cyclops, they, I don't know, they tried to burn Leo and then they described him as spicy. And so, like, because <laughs> he was racial he... profiling. It Aaron. was. It was. It's just because he's Latino. But, like, what would your, your personality's flavor be? <laughs> You'd be like, this is garbage. What is this? It's like a flaming <laughs> pile of garbage. 
<laughs> I don't know how to. I mean, the Cyclops thought the the purple Latin speaking kid tasted like a lamb chops or mutton. So yeah, which is well, lamb, maybe right? he was like really. I don't know the personality of someone who tastes like a lamb chop. I'd imagine would be kind of burly. Maybe drinks he was a lot of beer. Reckless <laughs> <laughs> profile. This is all racial profile. <laughs> um. I yeah, I think I would taste I think I would taste like I think I would taste like chicken, yeah. You choose chicken? No, I don't want to. But you I don't, don't eat, eat chicken. Meat. I yeah. don't eat It's I don't... your personality. It's not so like your actual like body. Fruit? Can it taste Yeah, like you could be a fruit. Yeah. What kind of fruit? <laughs> I feel like it'd be really concerning if they ate me and I was like really <laughs> citrusy. <laughs> They'd be like, what is wrong with her? Lemon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. A lemon. I'd be lemon. <laughs> <laughs> See, in my thought, I think I'd be like a dessert. Because I have quite a sweet tooth. Because I'm just so sweet. No, I think that I would taste like, personally, I think vanilla ice cream. Is this oh. <laughs> Because I'm really white. No. Why are you cold? <laughs> I'm really white and freezing cold. No, I think because it all goes back to, to this sign. one time. Oh. <laughs> it all goes back to being a Virgo. No. And, well, I oh, I think vanilla is a great flavor. It's underrated. It's a classic. And vanilla bean, very high commodity. But I, <laughs> in high school, <laughs> when me and Mike started dating, one of the people Mike was in band with, who, honestly, I don't know what happened to this kid. When he found out Mike and I were dating, all he said to Mike was, oh, she's kind of vanilla, which I... <laughs> was so upset i took this so personally like i was like i'm not boring what vanilla is a great flavor anyways and i still i you know what i don't think i'm a boring person that's also what i would have he didn't know state. me well he was he also did. one of the most boring people i'd ever met like he was an incredibly boring person i also don't so. understand we were in high school what we're a bold a statement to make like what are you going to be doing be bold and be an arsonist like that's not something that you can do at that age that's for later aaron he didn't know my greek side that's too some <laughs> late reading fan fiction he definitely wouldn't have thought you'd be vanilla then you would have been at I'm... least bubblegum flavor <laughs> Exactly, a nice caramel swirl. Yeah, that's what did my you expect you to do in high school? Like you, we ba- don't have any money. We live with our parents. We barely have access to cars. We have curfews. What does he expect you to be? I don't know. I mean, this kid was like not. He didn't really have any friends. No, he didn't. So I don't know. Maybe it's because I uh, wasn't. Didn't I couldn't play music? I don't know. Maybe I just wasn't hot enough in high school. Sorry. (laughs) I love how instead of being like, that's a weird thing for him to say, you're like, vanilla is great, so thanks for the compliment. Thanks for the compliment. (laughs) Thank you so much. This was Not that he said this to me. He said it to Mike. And Mike, for some reason, told me this. And I have held a grudge against... I have no idea where this person is now. I don't even think I'm friends with them on social media at all. I just will hold a grudge forever. 
This has been such a chaotic episode. Yeah. They were really chaotic chapters, so it yeah. fit, I guess. I guess. I think we're also... I've also been in, like... So it's currently snowed completely mm-hmm. in the greater Seattle area, and I've been shut in for a couple days. Like, I've played yeah. in the snow, but you can only do so much every day. So mm-hmm. I felt like a crazy person. So that's where the arsonist side came out. I apologize. I don't know. I think it was always there. (laughs) I think so too. (laughs) Lurking. All right. Next week, we're going to be talking about chapters 25 through 30 of The Lost Hero. I'm really excited to know what happens because I have no idea. Yep. We're reading this one chunk at a time. (laughs) I was really like, oh, they go to Chicago? I didn't know that. You're like, oh, cool. (laughs) Cool. Cool. And if you're interested in supporting us, you can find us on Patreon and the link will be in the episode description. Don't forget to follow us on social media. Uh, we are on everything at Camp Half Pod. And you can also email us camphalfpod at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review. You can now rate and review on Spotify. So go ahead if you haven't already and go and do that. Woo woo. Okay. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.